Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Feminist, a podcast for feminists of the future. Today we are not your average feminists, but tomorrow we will be. I'm Christina. I'm Sarah. And I'm Amanda. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us again on this new episode of the Not Your Average Feminist podcast. This is Amanda. Um, I'm going to tee this one up a little bit differently than usual. So last week, um, we were thrilled to have on the podcast Hadley Heath Manning of the Independent Women's Forum. And if you haven't listened to that one, I highly encourage you to stop what you're doing, aka stop listening to this one, and go back and listen to last week's episode um, in which we talked to Hadley all about the wage gap. It was a fascinating conversation, um, and it was so interesting, in fact, that after we stopped the interview, um, we kind of kept talking, or Hadley kept talking, and I um, didn't pause the recording, um, thankfully, and she brought up a couple more interesting points that we didn't get a chance to discuss in the in the interview last week um, about the opportunity gap and, and the differences that um, women of color see versus kind of white women when it comes to the wage gap. And there were interesting um, points that she made, and so I thought that they were worth including again um, in this week's episode. So consider this to be wage gap part two, and we're going to kick it off with um, Hadley's concluding remarks from last week. And then the other interesting thing is uh, once we said goodbye to Hadley, um, I kind of stopped the recording and then Sarah and Christina and I, though, kept talking about our own experiences with wages and pay um, and what we look for in the workplace when it comes to stuff like that. So then I hit the recording button again and um, we decided to keep talking and turn this into, um, again, like I said, the wage gap part two. So last week was all about what is the wage gap and how is it defined and how is it used today? Um, with Hadley. And then this week, uh, we kind of get a little bit deeper into our own personal experiences with it and and pay scale and um, discrimination in the workplace and all that fun stuff. So um, you're in for a real treat and I hope you keep listening. And um, again, thanks for being here. Yeah, you know, it's funny now that I, um, (laughs) now that I've talked about this for like 45 minutes with you guys. <laughs> I think of a couple other angles that maybe you didn't, uh, we didn't cover today, but you know, one question I get often um, that I feel like is a real curveball. And I don't know if you guys do mm-hmm. web extras. But yeah, <laughs> we like could. On this. But often I hear the question, well, the, what we talk about in terms of the wage gap has nothing to do with race. But if you uh, break down wage disparities by race, this is something that, um, you know, people who, um, tend to be more politically on the left and tend to, um, you know, message more concern, signal more concern for the wage gap. Although I think people across the political spectrum are concerned about discrimination. Um, they point to race as a factor and they say, well, the wage gap for black women or women of color is much bigger than the wage gap between, for example, white men and white women. And, um, I have a colleague at IWF who has looked into this um, and, you know, she will point out that black women as a group also congregate in professions like social work and teaching that do not pay as well, um, you know, and why they don't pay as well is a whole nother podcast, right? <laughs> but um, that is that is certainly part of it. But then I also wonder, and I have wondered aloud to myself many times, if um, there isn't also an opportunity gap that doesn't feed some of these racial disparities. Um, and it might, this might relate to 
education reform and school choice, for example. Um, but we certainly want to ensure that women and men of every racial background also have the opportunity to, you know, gain as much human capital as they need to pursue the the wages and other opportunities um, as as people of of other races. So that's something that came up in a in a different podcast I did about the pay gap one time that I do think is worth considering um, because while it seems neat and tidy to fully explain the the pay gap as a function of everyone's choices. It's also a function of the opportunities that are afforded to people um, relating to education and so forth. And and this is, you know, again, it, it's it's not related to a bad employer who says, I just hate black people or I hate women. I'm going to discriminate against them. And that's often what the wage gap is presented to mm-hmm. be. Um, but I think some of these other, you know, opportunities gaps certainly deserve addressing by people on the right and the left. I think there's a lot of people who are concerned with addressing those things, which is great. Um, yeah. But it's it's not always so simple as, well, you know, <laughs> black women choose to earn less. That seems like a oversimplification. <laughs> so, yeah. And there's, um, you know, we didn't talk about like Title IX and women in sports and how I the know. women's soccer team has their lawsuit and stuff, but you can't cover everything. And I've written We'll a just lot. have to bring you back I've for another episode. women's <laughs> soccer team, though. So if you guys are looking for some fodder about that yeah but the women's soccer team you know my bottom line is that even if you are doing the same work it's a completely different market for male and female athletes you know the market conditions are what feed that particular wage gap because fewer people are paying high ticket prices to see a women's basketball game or a women's soccer match and that's you know people on the left will say that's evidence of sexism in our society but it's yet again not evidence of a big bad rational boss somewhere saying i'm gonna pay this woman less than this mm-hmm. male counterpart so it's an interesting topic too I think it's it's interesting because like everyone's experience, like the more I talk to friends about this, everyone's experience is so different and unique. Um, like I know that I've asked for raises a handful of times in my career. Sometimes they were successful and sometimes they were not. Um, but I do feel that I'm really bad at it. Like, I feel like I'm a horrible negotiator and I get so awkward whenever I bring up money, like at my current job or any job that I was currently at or in an interview process. Every time you get that question and I hate that question, it's like, what salary are you looking for? I'm like, a hundred million dollars. I don't know. Like, should I like weigh, like shoot for the stars and say something that's like crazy just to see what they say? Or should I say what I think is fair I don't know. I never I, – I, I just – I hate talking about it, which makes me like that stereotypical female, but what can I say? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, okay. So obviously, we've jumped right back into this. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, okay. So let's just talk about – I'm framing this up because I think I cut off Christina's – the beginning mm-hmm. of her explanation to my weird crush – Weird question. And I hadn't even started recording yet, so um, I'm definitely going to have to go back and tweak a little bit. We can just do it this way. This yeah. is more fun. Oh my gosh. Anyways, I have so many. I have so many thoughts. I know. About- I loved not to jump in. I loved that conversation with yes. Adley. Just going to put that out there. Yes, she's fantastic. In full disclosure, I used to work with Hadley. I was a consultant for um, the sister organization IWV. 
who did more advocacy work. But um, she is fantastic and one of the smartest women I've ever met in my life. Never mind that she's actually my age, which makes me feel highly. Um, uh, it just makes it. me feel Don't like a slacker. <laughs> a slacker. She makes me feel like a slacker, and I work really hard. <laughs> um, but so we were talking about have we ever experienced wage discrimination or gender discrimination in the workplace? And Christina, why don't you? She was just saying how she hadn't, which I think is fantastic, and it led to a a, a very a deep dive, deeper dive on negotiation. Yeah, so, Christina, why don't you why don't you <laughs> repeat what you said before I actually hit record? Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever really experienced it. I have every time I've applied for a job when I get the job offer. I've never had to negotiate salary requirements because they always mm-hmm. give me what I ask for. Mm-hmm. Um, like to the point where like any job that I've stayed in for a long period of time, I've been given raises without being asked. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've never had to go in and ask for more money. I've never had to actually do any of the negotiation proce- process by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so any, I mean, so I've just been, I guess, really lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. But I guess then how my, I always go back to like, how, how would you know if you're being discriminated against when it comes to salary? Did you ever think about that? I mean, most of the time I've been hired at places I've had women do the hiring process. So I guess mm -hmm. I've never even thought about it. I mean, I worked in a genetics organization for over like for like four years and Mm -hmm. all of my bosses were females. And mm-hmm. they would just give me raises. Like I would, I had a lot of raises while I worked there because they, I worked hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be, I wouldn't even be up for like annual review and I would be getting a pay raise. So, wow. I mean, I was really blessed there, but I mean, my direct supervisor was a woman and her direct supervisor was a woman. Mm-hmm. Do you think that made a difference or? Probably. Yeah. That's interesting. Do you guys think, that this is a kind of a side topic, but do you guys think that employees should be encouraged or at least there be no repercussions for employees discussing their salaries openly? Is it a good idea? Should we like go into work (laughs) and be like, hey, so-and-so, like coworker Jimmy, like what do you make? I'm just curious. I think it's cringeworthy. I know that's super awkward. Um, yeah, because every, I mean, it's say like you know, person A and person B are doing almost the exact same job. So they have the exact same job title. Mm-hmm. Person A may have, you know, have that job title because of different circumstances, um, but have seven or eight years under their belt doing a job similar to that. Mm-hmm. And person B could have two years of doing the job under their belt, like but like be a fresh college graduate, yeah, something like that, where their pay scale could be a a significant difference, ten to fifteen thousand dollars, and it's just because of job experience, not job title. Right. So I think going yeah. in and, and expecting, you know, you know, two people that have similar work, like on a similar like level at a certain organization, or to it, it causes hostility and it causes yeah. you know a lot of a lot of issues that don't necessarily need to be there. Yeah, I think I kind of fall in that same camp. Like I was reading um, – so when we talked to Hadley, she mentioned towards the end the Paycheck Fairness Act. And so I was reading up on it a little bit. And one of the things 
Um, I guess that the groups that are pushing it um, are calling for is more salary transparency. And um, the idea is that like if employees are more transparent with each other about their salaries, it empowers, you know, women specifically, I guess, to negotiate for higher salaries if they know that they're getting underpaid. And so that kind of boosts everyone. Um, and that there there shouldn't be this stigma around talking about how much you get paid in the workplace. And I couldn't disagree more with that. You know, like I could I just first of all, I don't want to know what my coworker makes. Um, I just feel like there is no good outcome for me with that. Like either I'm going to feel really, really bad about myself or my coworker is going to feel really, really bad about themselves, you know? And so I'm a big fan of of places that have like wage bans. Mm-hmm. So if you're uh, an associate, you make this between this $10,000 band. And if mm-hmm. you're a manager, this $15,000 band. Yeah. And if you're a director, you know, X, and it continues onward. Yeah. I really like that because then you can't be that mad if somebody has out-negotiated you by a couple thousand dollars or yeah. whatever but I just don't – I think just maybe at like a bigger company they have that. But I, I mean, gosh, I don't – I think that's maybe more difficult for smaller organizations to implement. And even, you know, I've worked at – I worked at a nonprofit that had hundreds of employees, and I don't even think we had wage bans. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't think I've ever worked anywhere that had wage bans. I mean, I mean, I could see how that would be helpful, but I don't think I've ever had that. Yeah. I've worked at a lot of places that was kind of like understood. I don't think it was like printed on a printed and laminated and everyone mm-hmm. knew, mm-hmm. but it was just, you know, okay, they got a promotion to be manager. I know that that came with a promotion or a, a, a pay, wage a increase, bump. yes, hmm. as well. Um, I will say this: I'm not the biggest fan about knowing what my colleagues make because I've been mm-hmm. in plenty of situations where I found out, and I was either like shocked because I felt like I was gypped, or shocked because I couldn't believe how much more I made than somebody else. Yeah. So uh, I understand that the, the nature there. But I do think it's really important for women, not like amongst your friends, to discuss wages, salary, benefits, and negotiating because I feel like it's like a tide that will raise all boats. I think it's really important to be honest with your close friends, people you're comfortable with, obviously, about how much you're making because having having that transparency just amongst all your different various professions, I think, can really help with um, having that like peer to peer mentoring. It's like peer to peer mentoring and just kind of being able to be like, whoa, I didn't realize I wasn't even close to mm-hmm. what I was making or what my friend so and so was making. And yeah. then I would ask a lot of questions like, well, how did you, how did you navigate that? And then I would either decide to, um, ask my boss for what it would take to get a promotion or a wage increase, or I'd start looking for other jobs. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I guess um, that was helpful. You know, when I've gone through job hunts or job searches, it is helpful to know like what other people in my field make outside of my organization so that when I do go into interviews and they ask me that dreaded question, I, I kind of have an idea 
of what's like the going market rate. And so it helps it helps me answer that and to know what to say. Um, so I definitely see that like talking about it amongst your peers. I just still couldn't imagine like talking to my coworker and being like, let's compare salaries. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. To me, that just like- I've never done that with a co- colleague. I've never done it and I don't think I ever would do it, to be honest. I just don't want to know. Like you know, 100% it's interesting though. Know. Um, like if you look on Glassdoor, for instance, and I don't mm-hmm. know how accurate it is, but like when you're job searching Glassdoor, for not every company, but for, you know, bigger companies like the Booz Allens, the Lockheed Martins, the uh, mm-hmm. Hiltons, the Marriott, so those like big companies, people put what their salary is or what they, I mean, they're putting, there's somebody's inputting information. So, you know, mm-hmm. when you're going in to apply for a position, there may be a salary like range on there. So, you, I mean, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, I mean, that is always helpful. I mean, the only yeah. person I've ever talked to besides my husband about salary stuff is my sister. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't talk yeah. to anyone else about it. My sister and I will have, and we barely, I mean, it's one of those like very brief um, <laughs> conversations. Awkward it's just, conversations it's for awkward. everyone. Yeah. 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 And I was actually in a situation a couple of years ago where I was, um, how should I put it? Hanging out with coworkers like outside of work hours and um We'd all like imbibed a couple drinks <laughs> or two or three, and um, the, the subject of salary came up. And I will just say, like, it didn't end well. Okay, not at and all. So yeah, Christina, I think you were there. Um, yes. I don't want to give away really any personal details, <laughs> um, but or like I don't want to give away too much information about this. But all I was will say is it was probably the most cringeworthy conversation I've ever been a part of, and it just it it the the evening did not end well. And I'll just leave it at that. I feel like the only time I've ever found out about other people's uh, salary it was <laughs> always from the HR person. I'm not kidding. Really. You. HR people are the worst in politics. <laughs> like, don't know what – like, they're such – Like, they just give it they, – they just, like, accidentally leak the information or what? Yeah, they're just such, like, talky-talky, like I, – I, like, with the exception of the HR person at my current firm. She's, mm-hmm. like, the first HR person that hasn't, like, totally fucking sucked <laughs> <laughs> at her job. Because um, all of the past HR people I've had have been the biggest office gossips. So that's how I found out all of these things from folks. Or I found out things because that person had been told by the HR person. Wow. And so it's just like, my So gosh. basically I need to become best friends with my HR person. And so then I'll just I mean, know everyone's salary without having to ask them. <laughs> yeah, basically. So I guess my other question then to you guys – when it comes to salary and wage and stuff, like when you, because we've all either recently gone through jobs, well, actually recently gone through job searches or are currently. Um, and by recently, I mean within the last year or two. Okay. It's just pretty recently. Um, what do you, is salary like, I know Hadley touched on this a little bit in terms of like how she navigated her transition from, you know, working female to a working mom. Um, is salary the most important thing to you guys? And if not, what is, and, um, was it the most important at one time and it's not anymore? Like, where do you guys fall on that? It's not the most important for me. I mean, I think that there needs to be a level of happiness in Mm -hmm. life. I mean, 
I find financially driven decisions to be poor decisions, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't take a job that offered me $200,000 if it meant that I had to work 80 hours a week. Yeah. And, you know, have zero life outside of work. Mm-hmm. Like I, I couldn't stomach doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I would put salary tied with the people I'd be working with. Really? I put a premium on the people that I, would be my colleagues. Hmm. And they have to have a good reputation and I have to have good rapport with them if I join their team. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say like in the beginning of my career, salary was probably number one. Um, but over the years, it's taken a small, like somewhat of a backseat to other things. Not that salary is not important. Um, and I wouldn't ever like take a new job that didn't come with a salary bump. You know, I don't want to like undervalue myself. But man, I think like the older I get, the less I – like I still care about it obviously, but I care less about it, salary and more about like Sarah, like the people and the flexibility um, is starting to become more and more important to me as well. So it's just mm-hmm. interesting I think um, to think about and and – you know, maybe me getting to that place is why the gender gap exists, like we were talking about with Hadley. Um, but I don't know. Like, it's just, it is the way it is for me. And I don't want to feel bad about it. Like, I don't want to feel guilty for my priorities shifting. Well, what's and- interesting is I read an article like to prep for this episode mm-hmm. um, in the New York Times, and it's like a year old, but it was talking about how why there is issues, like why there is gaps in salary, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, women do go into careers more in like nonprofits for, you know, more close to the heart measures. Mm-hmm. So salary necessarily isn't going to be the most important if you're working for, you know, like a, the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation or like something like that that tugs at your heartstrings that you know you're like whatever yeah whatever you're passionate about but whatever extra dollars can go into making something better things like that i mean women generally take jobs more in that kind of sector of work which tend to most of the time pay less yeah um but they wrote this whole article about how um you know like different aspects of women and how women don't necessarily want to be they they're, they're not like getting on boards of directors or the ones that they are getting on aren't going to be the boards of directors for like the Met. They're going to be boards of directors for Mount Sinai Hospital, things like that. Yeah. Like more more things that are um, like more personal decisions rather yeah. than just making decisions based on like pushing forward and making more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I just don't think – like we should be made to feel bad about that. I mean, like I read Lean In a couple of years ago and I loved it when I read it. Um, but now I'm at the point in my career where I like I have all those things like in the back of my head, you know, lean in, lean in, lean in. Um, don't undervalue yourself. Like, you know, you can do everything. Um, and it, it makes me like sometimes feel really guilty for um, maybe like – turning down opportunities or saying no to things that might look more prestigious or pay more money, um, but would give me way less flexibility and I would have like way less of a life. And so I do a lot of times like as a career working woman who's still in my 20s, like I feel guilty about it. Um, But I I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know. There, you there's no like you, answer for it, but you shouldn't feel guilty about it. And I will use a real life example because mm-hmm. I know at the end of every cycle, um, you know, most people in politics are shopping around for new jobs. Mm-hmm. And I know that, um, not to get too personal, I mean, Amanda, you were worried that you weren't going to be able to stay on at your current place. Uh-huh. You were blessed to be offered an opportunity to stay on and you took it. Yeah. Um, but I think I gave you heartburn <laughs> about turning <laughs> down several several job offers uh-huh. because I have different priorities right now, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, and so I'm sorry if I shamed you in any way because that, no. that's never what <laughs> how I meant for it to come off. I was just more like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I wouldn't say you gave me heartburn. You just made me – you put me through a lot of mental exercises that I think at the end of the day were good for me because it made me kind of reaffirm my position and forced me to have a lot of self – how do you put this? self? I was going to say self-conversations, but that doesn't make sense. Um just a lot of like reevaluating where I stand and examining like what I want out of the next year or two years. And um, so at the end of the day, it was all good. And I'm very blessed to be where I am. And, um, you know, not to get too personal, but um, yeah, I, I never want to just like carte blanche turn down opportunities or just like not even explore them because I think it's always worth exploring. Um but at the end of the day, you have to be happy with where you are, and it's a personal decision. And one that I made with my husband, and you guys make with your husbands, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just I, I feel like it's just whatever choice you make, you have to be comfortable with at the end of the day. Absolutely. And that's yeah. really what all this is about when we're talking about salaries or the gender wage gap or or any of it. It's like as women and as men, like we have to be comfortable with our own decisions and our own choices and comfortable with the results or the repercussions that come with those, you know? Um, and that's just, that's just the way it is. So that's, that's how I see it. What do you guys think? I know. I think that's really good. And, um, coming from someone, I feel like I'm so different from both you guys because, well, for starters, I have had just under 40 different jobs in my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that number does not surprise me at all. I know. I don't think it's quite 40. I haven't updated the list, but it's definitely in the mid or uh, upper 30s now. And that's like unique jobs, not counting the clients I worked on mm-hmm. for each firm. So, um, And I started working when I was 15 years old. So yeah. I'm, I'm lumping in all of those too. But I've – had a lot of different experiences in a whole lot of different industries and a whole lot of different roles. And I've so I've encountered a whole bunch of different types of bosses and colleagues mm-hmm. and customers and whatever else. I've definitely been exposed to terrible bosses, mm-hmm. wage discrimination. I know because of cough, cough. Thanks, HR. <laughs> for sucking. That's hilarious. Um, and but I've experienced uh, harassment. I've experienced sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, and it comes from not just people you work with. It can come from your clients. It can come from your customers. So uh, I feel like I've had a very long uh, long exposure history yeah. on this thing. And this is why it's so personal to me because 
I feel like often, um, often when I, before I was exposed to the people like the Hadleys of the world, the IWFs of the world, I only ever heard conservative voices kind of talk down discrimination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. That doesn't we're not happen. Saying, we're not saying it doesn't happen, but it's like a rare occurrence. Yeah. And I'm over here like I'm experiencing it right now and I work in conservative politics. This is the most outrageous feeling in the world to be like, my gosh, it feels like whoa. It's like a it's not even just like a personal conflict. Mm-hmm. It feels like a when when my personal politics conflicts with my like real life uh, personal reality yeah. it's just kind of like it, it boggles your brain yeah it does um yeah i but, totally get that but i also realized that that happened to me when i was much younger in my career and i have not experienced it, even remotely the same amount of discrimination i did when i was a younger a younger That's worker good. and i don't know if it's because generally the situation's getting better or because I'm older and wiser and I give off different vibes that don't make me look so vulnerable. Or you've just been anymore. lucky to work at really amazing places. Who knows? That too. It's hard. That too. It's really hard to tell. I mean, when it comes to and that I think stuff, yeah. That's why it goes back to when you ask me, like, what's more important? Like, definitely when I was younger, I, I'm very type A and I had it set in my mind that if I wasn't making six figures by the time I was 25, I was an utter failure, failure and – Wow. I don't know. I needed to like pack up my bags and go home to whoever knows where. Yeah. But, um, that's a lot to put on your like 20, 21, 22 year old self. It is. And that's and why not I to mention around. a 25 year old self. And I think that's why I put up with a lot of unacceptable behavior early on because I was scared that if I pushed back or if I stood up for myself, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be putting myself in the best place to try to get a promotion or new jobs or whatever. So, I mean, I cannot stress how important it is to mm-hmm. really establish bonds with your boss and your colleagues and to have a an environment of trust. Yeah, I couldn't um, agree more. And so that's why I place that as a number – that's the number one on my list. I would never go work for a firm that I didn't feel 100% comfortable with – um, the work product of the firm, or just the the moral character and the general um, just uh, goodwill, yeah, around town in the industry of the people that I work with. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And good food for thought too. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I think this has been a great conversation. I'm really glad we finally got around to talking about wages and um, salary and the pay gap. I thought that was a great interview with Hadley. I'm so glad she did that. Um, but is there anything else just real quick that you guys want to add before we sign off? Nope. I think that's it <laughs> for now. Yeah, for now. All right. Well, until next time, thank you again for joining us on this episode of Not Your Average Feminist. Um, please continue to subscribe and have all your friends and family subscribe to us on Google Play, Spotify, and iTunes. Um, and until next time, uh, we'll talk to you later. Y'all are the best. Thanks. All right, bye. Thanks.